is What Shall We Do About with Sam Robinson. Hello and welcome to What Shall We Do About, the show that tries to fix the world's less pressing problems. When we were kids, we were always told, don't watch too much TV or don't sit so close to the screen. But fast forward to 2020 and we are spending more time on our screens than ever before. In fact, it's very rare for our phones to not leave our sides and many of us are aware that we have a problem with screen addiction. So, what shall we do about screen time? Enter Sydney comedian Lauren Bonner, who joined me to chat about her experience with screens. Together we discussed the perils of screen addiction, the ways in which phones affect mental health, and whether there are actually ways that we can reduce screen time. I really appreciated Lauren being so candid in this chat, and I was rather challenged by the conversation. Lauren Bonner, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Sam. How are you going? Yeah, I'm doing all right, but I dare say uh, I've had a stable job this year. You are a comedian in COVID-19 times. How are you doing? (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, to be honest with you, to be perfectly honest, I don't have a stable job, but I didn't beforehand. And right now the Centrelink rate is more stable than ever. So we're doing all right. Well, that's good. Um, You've been (laughs) able to adapt to the, the, the comedy scene on digital mediums and platforms and all that kind of thing? Yeah, well, I mean, and then it is kind of, I guess we haven't mentioned the topic we're talking about today, but the screen obsession um, Mm. has been kind of more, you know, omnipresent than ever, I guess, in my life. Now that it seems like a lot of comedy is going through social media and onto the screen and streaming and all sorts of stuff, everyone's like scrambling to kind of try to translate the live into the digital. So that's been an interesting kind of transition. Um, but there also are kind of, you know, drips and drabs of live comedy coming back now as well in like weird, socially distanced ways and all sorts of things. So there has been a bit going on. I've been busy. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. And I, I even think about the, the thought of, like I'm not a comedian and I've never done a stand-up gig in my life, <laughs> but the thought of having to do that online to a virtual audience that you can't see, that must be quite strange. Yeah, I think as well, but people are pretty quickly getting better at running the shows that are working like that, the live stream stuff, because I think at first the thought was like, just do a comedy set in your living room with no one there and nothing else happening, you know, and um, that's the safest way to do it, obviously, but it also kind of isn't as natural. But now there's kind of streamed gigs where they are you know, doing them in the theatre with like maybe five or six audience members and Mm. streaming them out to other people. And they're putting mics on the audience so you can hear them laugh as well, which is really important for timing and all sorts of crazy stuff like that. So we're getting used to it. I don't want to get too used to it though because I do miss real live comedy, but we'll see. So uh, I just feel like when it all goes back to normal and you can have venues, like we should all get out and just go and have a laugh and enjoy a comedy set, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Hopefully once it's safe, of course, and once everyone is safe and feeling comfortable to do so, um, I think everyone should try to remember that we need to just get out and have fun and, like, enjoy your life while mm. we can because you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> that's right. Well, we're talking screen time on this episode of the podcast and I'm thankful that you willingly accepted that topic uh, because I think mm. it, it is hard sometimes to admit that screen time is is an issue. I mean, we all deal with it. We all, we all struggle with screen time. Let's go back in time, though. I'd love to hear from you 
Can you remember when you got your first phone, Lauren? Yeah, I would have been um, a little bit younger than I think um, probably my parents and stuff would have liked. So I was in like year six. So I think I was 12 or even 11. Mm. Um, But I mean, I got it. And it was also like, I know I, you know, seem incredibly young and and vibrant online, but it was like still just like a Nokia phone. It wasn't a smartphone. It didn't have the internet or anything on it. And I got it because I had to walk home from school and my nan was worried about me. So she got me a phone. But um, that was definitely the first kind of the gateway phone. But we were still obsessed with them, even though when I think about it, I'm like, what was I even doing on this brick? Playing Snake, you know? sending five word text messages, playing the pony, like playing the polyphonic ringtones like out yeah, loud, yeah. just listening to them all. It's, Am I yeah. right that texts on that, because I had a similar phone, mm. texts were all caps on those phones? Mine wasn't maybe because mine wasn't like the 3310, which uh, was I think that original brick kind of Nokia. It was mm. like a little bit smaller, a little bit cooler. It was pink, like it had a billabong design on it which is very very cool at the time <laughs> um, and it was a little bit more it felt a little bit more modern than the total um original nokia but it was still very you know basic i remember um my first phone so i think I, i'm guessing i'm a little bit older than you lauren i'm 33 mm. um and i got my first phone when i was in year 10 so i think there's like 2002 and I remember um, when I got it, I got it because I did work experience in year 10 and I was at Channel 7. I remember being out the back and trying to text my parents and negotiate getting used to the phone and getting voicemails. I was getting voicemails. <laughs> I didn't know how to access them. It's just funny how you remember these things about your first phone experiences and it's just such a part of our lives now, isn't it? Yeah, I know. And it is like really interesting as well to think about what I would have been like if I had Instagram earlier than I did and if I had a smartphone earlier than I did, I think it's really shifted a lot of things like, but also not like kids are kids no matter what, but Mm -hmm. I watched, have you seen the Bo Burnham? Who's also a comedian, his film eighth grade. No. Um, That's a, well, it's a really fantastic film. I definitely recommend it to anyone, but I think it really kind of evocatively captured like the experience of like these young kind of teens online now which I always think to myself like I'm 26 and I always think like oh yeah I'm not that much older than these kids these days but then you actually step into their shoes of like you know 12 year olds on on TikTok and stuff like that and I'm like oh like I had a very different experience growing up than Mm. um than these people yeah totally like when I was so as I mentioned when I got mine in year 10 that was kind of early days for kids having phones so my Mm. school experience didn't involve having to navigate phones in the classroom because, I mean, my, my school had a policy once I was in year 11 and 12 and they were more commonplace, no phones in the classroom. You kept them in your bag outside the room or something like that. Did your high school have a policy on phones? Not really that I can remember. And um, I got a smart, I would have had a smartphone in high school. I had like an early iPhone, um, which makes me sound a little bit privileged, but it was really <laughs> just because of like, my divorced parents, you know, competing with each other. So that was a plus side. Sure, um, sure. But it didn't have anything on it really. It didn't have like you didn't have Instagram in those days. I think you just had Facebook almost, but it mm. wasn't really a thing. You had the Koi Pond thing on the early iPhone, but 
There were what like a, what's we the, hang like, on, I I'm not across the koi pond. What is the it koi was, pond? <laughs> it was one of the first apps on the iPhone and it was literally just like a koi pond. It was just water and you just like put your move your finger around the water and the fish would swim around. You know, I'm just a very this up. I'm looking this boring up. app. Koi pond app. Ten classic iPhone apps that time forgot is the first result. I'm gonna to have to look at this. I I complete. I had a I had the original iPhone three. I think it was, and um, oh, yeah. I had yeah didn't know about this at all. Oh, you got to know about the koi pond. <laughs> I don't. You, you got. To, I'm gonna re-download it to be honest. Um, Do you reckon it well, would cope with the new <laughs> iOS? The- yeah. There was no like policy, I don't think, but I think it was like you know you weren't allowed to use your phone in the classroom, of course. Mm. Um, but it wasn't that heavily policed, I don't think. Yeah, because I I just think of kids now, like every kid would have a phone at school, and if yeah. you're a teacher in the classroom and you know that people would like long gone are the days of passing notes, right? You're texting each other now. Um, yeah. <laughs> And I think that must be so distracting for a, for a kid trying to learn at school. It's, I mean, even laptops. I never had a laptop at school. Smartboards mm. didn't exist at school. And we we're only talking 15 years ago when I finished. It's such yeah, a different even, world. Um, I didn't even have a laptop either. We was I was one year too old for the Kevin Rudd laptop rollout. Um, oh, so. I forgot about the Kevin Rudd. Yes. <laughs> Everyone else got one, but we didn't ever have them. And, yeah, passing notes. I was always passing notes, not texting in class. That's what's crazy. And then I think I saw recently there was like all schools in Tasmania, I think, have banned phones in, in schools. Right. And there was a lot of like backlash kids being like, we need my phone, like for safety. What if there's an emergency? And I'm like, people didn't have their phones on them for emergencies for like what? All time. You'll mm. be fine. It's true. It's true. I know this is another conversation about, you know, the demise <laughs> of pay phones, but Going down, like I used to remember going to the shops and if I needed to be picked up by my mum, I would go and prank call her on the mm. payphone so I didn't have to put in 20 cents or whatever it was <laughs> to actually make the call and that was the signal to come pick me up. Yeah, you just had to plan and I think that's what I'm not doing now that we have phones. Like there's whole episodes of Seinfeld, for example, where like if they had phones, this episode wouldn't exist. You know, like they're lost and they can't find each other. Like they yes. plan to meet somewhere and then they weren't there. Like you just had to plan. But now I'm like, oh, I'll see you at the shops around midday and then I'll get there at 1230 or something. I don't know where the person is, but it doesn't matter. But then also like I get lost driving around my own suburb because of Google Maps. Like I'm so reliant on my phone that I really couldn't function without it, which is not a good thing, I don't think. Yeah, there's nothing worse than when you go somewhere you don't know and you're there all day and your phone runs out of batteries, you're trying to get home and you've got no way of finding your way. Like we're so reliant on that. And uh, I guess unless you've got a phone charger in your car, which many of us do, yeah. I was out at a birthday party the other week and, um, I mean, the party was wrapping up, to be fair, and I was tired. I did want to go home anyway, but my phone was like on 3% and I had to walk home and I was like, i got to get out of here. My phone's going to die. Like, I can't walk home without a phone. Like, what if, what if? What if? But it's mm. like, I'm just up the road. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> but you think that. It's always on our mind. Yeah. So thinking about when you're back in school, you said you had a, um, mm. a an iPhone, an early iPhone. How would you feel like your screen time is different in what you're using your phone for uh, between current Lauren and high school Lauren? Oh, it would be huge. I don't even really know what I would have done on my phone back then. I think like play a few games and this and that, but 
Surely, I mean, I, I think I was glued to it, but I don't think I, because I didn't have Instagram until my first year of uni. So I didn't have Instagram, Facebook, there was nothing going on there. But I think now I'm using my phone as a kind of pacifier, I guess, and like constant stimulation. Like I don't let myself be bored ever, which is very bad for creativity because I'm just constantly looking at something. If I'm, you know, watching a show and there's a lull in it, then I look at my phone. And if I get home, then I look at my phone. And, you know, if I'm driving or in the shower, that's when I'm not reading or looking at any media. And that's about it. But is there then that moment when you get out of the shower and you're like, oh, I might have something on my phone? Like when you pull over Mm -hmm. when you're driving, you've got to check it straight away. Do you find that? Yeah, it's like a reflex. Mm. And I I think like you're not alone in that. Like so many of us have that. I have that. Like there are times when I have to put my phone in another room and say, okay, I'm just going to be here for half an hour or whatever, do what I'm doing, focus on what I'm doing. It's something that we're all facing, right? So would would you say that you have a screen addiction? Definitely. I think I might be as well, like worse than a lot of people because um, I'm very prone to distraction, undiagnosed, but I claim to have ADHD. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I'm very prone to distraction. I'm very um, kind of fidgety as well. Like if I don't have anything in my hands, like I like I buy my nails and all sorts of things. And so I think a phone is such a easy way for me to kind of direct my attention and it's and it's definitely addictive and it's kind of programmed I guess and the algorithms on Instagram and Twitter and all that sort of things are kind of invented to be addictive to keep you there. I saw on your Twitter um, that you have actually been spending some time making cardigans knitting. Yeah. (laughs) Is it do you feel like this is part of like obviously it's something that keeps you busy and keeps you you active but when it comes to the phone, you know, I'm guessing it's harder to put the knitting down to then pick up the phone and check it, right? Yeah. So that's a good thing because if my hands are so occupied um, doing something physical like, yeah, knitting or crocheting or whatever, then um, I definitely do find I don't look at my phone for a long time or I, like, won't reply to a message or something, which is uncommon for me. Um, So that's been good. But then again, like while I'm crocheting, I've got the TV on or something. I've still got another screen somewhere. Mm. I couldn't just sit down quietly and knit and look out the window or something. I guess I could, but (laughs) I don't want to try. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? When the way in which even TV is designed now, like not that we watch a whole lot of free-to-air TV, but, you know, Mm. the hashtag comes up in the corner because they know that you have a phone in front of you with a a TV screen away from you. And, and it's weird, even like I've found times when I'm working on a laptop in front of the TV screen, then I pick up my phone. It's like, oh, I've got three screens going at once. Yes. I'm always at least two screen minimum, sometimes three. And it's like, it can't, it can't be good for you. Like, and I know, um, like there's like people saying like, oh, you know, it's not necessarily bad for you, but like, surely it's not good for someone to read like 10,000 words a day of people on Reddit talking about their relationship. Like, you know, it can't be good for my brain. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, I don't want to pry too much, but I'm, I'm keen to know what you what you use your phone for most. Is it Instagram? Is it Twitter? Or is it, like you said, Reddit? I think it's, yeah, it's a definitely a combo of all three. Twitter is something that I never understood or got into until maybe a year or two ago and I don't know if I regret it or not because the thing as well that I kind of make an argument for 
which I know that I have problematic phone use and I know that I use it too much, Instagram and Twitter, but also something like maintaining a Twitter presence and an Instagram presence is something that I think is important like for my job Mm. as a comedian. And I mean, I do, you know, claim my phone use on tax accordingly. So Mm. like it's definitely work. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like I can't just totally throw my hands up and leave, but I definitely know that, no, I don't need to, like, scroll through Twitter drama and all this. So I think it's a lot of Twitter, a bunch of Instagram, maybe less Instagram lately, but then now I've been really into Instagram, using it to, like, yeah, make boards of, yeah, knitting inspiration and cooking and stuff and recipes, and then also, yeah, a bit of Reddit. Like, I love reading the Reddit relationships or, like, people in a fight and they're, like am I the bad guy or it's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But it gives you a glimpse into another world, doesn't it? And I think that's especially this year of all years, in some ways we need to go easier on ourselves with screen time, or at least that's what I tell myself because, you know, we're cut off from so much and yet our phones are still there and we're trying to keep across even like, you know, COVID updates. I'm always keen to know the numbers each day of how many cases there are around because I'm aware that it's a problem. Yeah, I was definitely looking at a lot of COVID stuff, but then I realized, like, I was like, oh, why can't I sleep? Because, like, right before I go to bed, I'm like, ah, let's read the statistics about the pandemic that's ending the world. That's not going to help me sleep, obviously, Mm. reading incredibly stressful news. So I've been looking up on screen time because I'm just curious about, you know, what the the news is saying. So... There's a number of different viewpoints on screen time. Washington Post has said uh, less screen time is the secret to teen happiness. New research shows. USA Today has written screen time increases teen depression, thoughts of suicide. But yet there's this guy in uh, Wired who's written this article. I'll put it in the show notes. Robbie Gonzalez is his name. And he says in this article, which is called, We've Got the Screen Time Debate All Wrong, Let's Fix It. He says, public anxiety over the side effects of screen time, the hours we spend staring at our various devices is the highest it's been in years. That anxiety has manifested in the form of self-help books, social movements, major media outlets, foretelling the worst mental health crisis in decades and no shortage of guilt. Now, he argues in this article that one thing that gets lost in the discussion around screen time is that what you're using your your phone for can, can vary. So you know, playing Fortnite does not equal time spent socialising on Snapchat. It doesn't equal time spent responding to work messages on Slack. He, I think he's basically saying that you can't say screen time is screen time because actually there's there's it's more about how you're using your screen time. Mm. Do, do you think that in this conversation that we forget that there are benefits to screen time, Lauren? Yeah, I think definitely um, because as well, internet communities and a lot of teenagers as well would tell you that if you know people don't fit in really at school then they can find communities online and things and socialize in that way which does feel really beneficial to them and their mental health and then also like it can be educational it can be work it isn't just this big kind of amorphous thing that is screen time and Mm. not all screen time is equal but I do think like when you talk about teenagers and screen time I think, um, and in the in the little bit of the article that I read about from this as well, he kind of says that like we know that it is doing something, but we don't know if you know we can't put a value judgment on that. We know that it's affecting these things, but we don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like it's just different, and every generation has a different thing. And you know, if this was a bunch of years ago, then we'd be talking about how electricity is changing teenagers and 
stuff like that, you know? Yeah, that's right. The Industrial Revolution and this is like kind of the Internet Revolution. Um, but I'm definitely on the side of the kind of conservative thoughts, I think, about teens on the Internet where I think it's not good especially like for young girls or something like that, just looking at Instagram, just being exposed to thousands and thousands of images that are ads that are, you know, propagating like, you know, consumerism and and ideal body types and beauty and wellness and like one idea of beauty and one idea of wellness and all sorts of things. I think it is kind of very, very toxic. And um, it's a lot of overexposure, I think, for kids to be looking at that so much every day. For sure. Does that kind of thinking affect you like in in your mid-20s you know or can you see through because I I don't follow influencers so to speak on Instagram and I don't I don't buy into the this is a great product because I can see through it but younger people can't yeah they can't see through it and also when you've been raised on this stuff then they think that that's normal content to post as well as so many ads on Instagram or influencers like promoting products and things like that like it's, it's very thinly, it's kind of thinly veiled to me, like an adult who can look at an Instagrammer posting some product, but to a kid, they might just think, oh, she just likes that product. But it's like, no, that's an ad. Mm. Um, and so I fi- I like to think that I can see through it. But then again, of course, like unconsciously, if I'm still, you know, scrolling my feed and, and seeing like picture after picture of thin, clear skinned, poreless person with the same lips, the same nose, you know, because everyone's getting the same fillers now, like, yeah. you know, it, it does get into your head, these ideas of, you know, beauty and, and whatnot. But um, that's, I like to think I, I try to be very critical, I guess, as well of, you know, consumerism and, and how that is all kind of played out on Instagram. But I know lots of people my age who don't like really realize or they do realize and they're very smart, but they still kind of say, you know, like, why is it my skin perfectly smooth? And I'm like, skin just isn't smooth. You know, that's yeah. just Instagram. That's so true. When, when I think about screen time now, you know, and we all know because we're aware of it that yeah. um, a few months ago or maybe even a year or so ago uh, in an iPhone update, I'm guessing you have an iPhone still, Lauren? Mm, yes. Yeah, yeah, and I do too. Um, the the screen time app that, that shows you how much time you're spending on your phone. And I know that they introduced that to try and, you know, reduce screen time and and try and help you that way. And and I think the majority of us look at it, though, and just feel guilty. Like I have, yeah. but I can see, you know, when it says you, you are 50 minutes below average for today, like I don't know how I can feel anything but guilt looking at that because I know that yesterday was a bad day, you know? Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I don't know, when you're a kid and you're spending time in front of TV screens, you know, the lesson is always don't watch too much TV, it'll wreck your brain. Mm. Why is it that we just feel guilty for screen time? You know, there's this, this is pressure. Is there this, always this kind of external pressure on us that we shouldn't be on our phones? Yeah. I, it's strange, isn't it? It's strange that we all feel this guilt. I think it's because it's hard to say, but I think for me personally, I know I can't speak for anyone else, but I have a constant guilt that I'm not doing enough, that I'm, you know, wasting time, that I need to work hard or I need to do more and more and, like, I'm not being productive enough. And I think as well, though, that's probably rooted in kind of, you know, all of these kind of capitalist ideas that are so embedded in us about productivity mm. and and we need to be productive to be worthwhile and 
things like that. Like the word productive is just fake because what is productive? Just is it making money or is it um, making something that can prove something or, you know, or is it productive to, you know, look after yourself and and value your friends and family and, and cook a nice meal for people? Like I would think that that should be considered productive, but under kind of this kind of girl boss you know hustle culture that we have it's it's not productive productive and so I guess we don't think scrolling on our phone is productive for me it seems like I'm you know looking at everyone else and not doing something I'm spectating instead of doing so I think that's my guilt that I'm not doing enough I'm not working enough if I'm you know on my phone for hours every day yeah and I feel that too our phones have control over us in a way and it's yeah and we're aware of that because we, we we want to be free, don't we? Let's move on because I think it's it's good for us to think about, okay, well, if this podcast is what shall we do about we're trying to, you know, improve things. <laughs> We've got to think of ways that we can then overcome screen time and maybe do other stuff instead. Have you Have you found doing other things has helped you get away from the screen? Um, I mean, I don't think I have successfully gotten away from my screen. So this is all hypothetical for me yeah, right yeah. now. Sure. Um, I think something that I wanted to do recently, but then I determined like, you know, I don't think I can do that is like, I know people who like go back to their old phone for a while. Like I've got my old pink Motorola flip phone. And so then you have like a phone that can make calls and texts for emergencies, but you can't look at anything on the internet. Mm. But then I think that would have worked a few years ago, but now I have emails on my phone that I, you know, I have to answer for for work stuff, you know, while I'm yeah. out and about and I have podcasts that I want to listen to while I go for a walk and it feels like I kind of can't. I mean, but then realistically I can just not answer my emails instantly. Yeah. But I've also heard of people who have, you know, changed their phone to black and white. You can do that in settings on iPhone, get rid of the color so it's like less visually kind of stimulating. And you don't want to stare at it as long if, if all the colors if on Instagram are black and white, it looks boring, stuff like that. And you can also set up, which I have actually, but it doesn't work. Um, you can set screen time limits on apps. Oh, I didn't know. That's yes. great. So you said it doesn't work though. In which case do you mean this, you just, if it tells you you've been on enough and you, you kind of canceled the... Yeah, it just became like a reflex for me to say like ignore limit. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Yeah, I think I need to reset them all because I set them all too short because I had it for like, you know, an hour and a day on social media or something. But then I set it to like 10 minutes or something to try to tell myself not to do it at all. But that's just not realistic. Yeah. I'm going to try that again. (laughs) I remember. So I think it was maybe last September. I did a month without social media and it was so good. It was really good. But now that I have this podcast, now that I, you know, and work, like I can't not I, I have to like you said I have to do it I can't I have to yeah. keep up the social media work it was so good though I loved it so much because I was scrolling less because I got rid of Twitter Instagram mm. Facebook I, I could do without Facebook really I'm not into Facebook and it was just refreshing like I was spending more time with people I was connecting better with people even though I didn't have my phone to communicate as much like it's just it's strange and I think you know, I don't say that to puff out my chest and say, you know, I've got it sorted because I, I haven't done it since. But yeah. it was really refreshing at the time. And I think if if there was only a way that 
you know, people like yourself and even me who need our phones for our work could go without like some sort of amnesty or some sort of way of scheduling things. Yeah, that'd be so good. Be so good. Yeah. And I mean, realistically, I've always thought like, well, yeah, if you're running social media for your podcast or something like that, which I've done in the past, like you can be like, well, I just post and then I don't scroll, but that doesn't really work. Yeah. If it's there anyway, then I will scroll. And then also I think like, you know, I say we, we, we do need it for work, but realistically, if I disappeared from Instagram and Twitter for two weeks, no one would notice nothing would no one would un, not like everyone would unfollow me or something like I could do that it really wouldn't probably affect my career in the long run <laughs> but so is it an excuse or is it is it the truth I don't know people will probably just assume you're in I'm a celebrity get me out of here or something like this and you've gone <laughs> gone offline um yeah. yeah no I think you're right I've really enjoyed this conversation Lauren uh, I feel like it's been really really <laughs> helpful for me and I just almost want to throw my phone out the window right now you know, know it's funny how much I'm you like, the more you talk about it the more you despise it right I know and I really like I feel strongly about it because I know that I'm spending too much time looking at all this junk and like I can't you know I I like there's all these books I want to read but I can't pay attention long enough to read a book because I'm used to you know reading a whole story or opinion in 140 characters or less and that's all i can take yeah so <laughs> i feel like i need to reset my brain and yes i am inspired to not look at all this junk today hopefully then again do i have twitter open in a tab on my browser right now yes yes i do <laughs> so do i <laughs> yeah and those little notifications the little numbers come up and it's just my brain is wired to want to click those little red flags <laughs> yeah, for sure well lauren what shall we do about screen time i think people should try to cut down their screen time and i think if you have a kid then it's hard because you don't want them to be the freak who isn't allowed a phone because that's not healthy mm. for them socially but i don't think it's healthy for kids socially to be on a screen all the time as well so that's something that i think is really hard for parents and teens and Luckily, I don't have any kids right now and I don't have to think about it because I don't know what I would do. <laughs> Lauren, I really appreciate you um, sharing so honestly and, uh, and challenging me even in my screen time. It's been, it's been great. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, Sam. You can find Lauren Bonner on both Twitter and Instagram at Lauren Y. Bonner. And a big thanks to you for downloading and listening to this podcast. Do hit subscribe and you'll receive new episodes in your feed every Tuesday morning. And if you enjoyed listening, I would love if you could leave a review because it helps others discover it. You can also connect with the show on Instagram and Facebook at What Shall We Do Pod and on Twitter at What Shall We Pod. What Shall We Do About is hosted and produced by me, Sam Robinson, with production support from Ali Barnes and original theme music by Chad Gardner.